Our Old Testament lesson this evening comes from Joel chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 and 12 through 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness spread upon the mountain. A great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothes. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. Sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Our New Testament lesson comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20, part B, through chapter 6, verse 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with Him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For He says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor. In ill repute and good repute, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray together. 
Earlier today, we had a time of uh, receiving ashes where people could come on their lunch breaks or in the community and come to the church and uh, receive ashes. Uh, they were able and available. And uh, about halfway through our time, our own uh, Williams, uh, Edmonds family, Williams family, the Edmonds family were here. And uh, they uh, came forward, and you all know John Ralt. Uh, he came up and he said, why do we use ashes? And I have to admit, I was stopped. Not many people ask questions during those times, which is too bad. Uh, we, we need more of that, uh, that mind and heart of children who want to know things and not just accept things as they are. Uh, but he came forward and asked, why do we use ashes? So I took a minute to collect myself and said, that's a very good question, John Rawl. We use ashes as a sign that we have carried over from many, many millennia ago. Throughout scripture, ashes are used as a sign of sorrow, of mourning. Whenever something horrible has happened in a person's life, they will uh, tear off their clothes and put on sackcloth and put ashes on their heads. Uh, you might even remember in the book of Jonah, whenever Jonah tells the people of Nineveh, in just a few days, your city's going to be destroyed. They weep, they declare a fast, they tear off their clothes, put on sackcloth, put on ashes on their head. Even the animals do this, because the animals are a part of the community, I suppose. It's a sign that, that gets carried over from long ago, and we have to remember that the biblical community that we read about, they're a very symbolic people. They don't do all of this like hardcore facts stuff and history lessons like we do. They're very symbolic, very much a storytelling community. And these ashes, these were a sign to say, I am nothing more than dust. Why would I pretend to be anything more? It's a sign of our mortality. In Genesis, we have the expression, from dust you came and to dust you shall return, as a reminder that God created us from the dust of the ground, and then one day we shall be returned to the earth in a very similar fashion. It's a declaration of our hearts to use the ashes to be able to say, I acknowledge my place right here before you, God. Um, the book of Job is one of my favorite books because in Scripture we finally have somebody talking back to God. And the book of Job, if you haven't read it before, is well worth the read, though it can be a little repetitive at times, sees this man, Job, who has lost everything. And after losing everything, even his own health, sits in ashes and cries out to God, Why have you allowed this to happen? And after 42 chapters, he eventually gets to this point where he realizes that God is God and he is not. He is but a mortal. And so he says, Job chapter 42, and this is the very end of the book, verse 6, I repent in dust and ashes. It is a sign for us that this is who we are, nothing more than dust. Why would we pretend to be anything more? And Job uses this word, repent, which is a word we hear a lot in the Lenten season, repent. 
It's a little bit of a churchy word. We'll admit that. You know, we don't hear this word very often in uh, our typical context. But it has a meaning that's very similar to things we do every day. It simply means to turn, to go another direction. And as Job sitting in these ashes says, I repent in dust and ashes, he is choosing to go another direction. The same word that's used in Job 42.6, which is the Hebrew word shuv, is also used in our passage uh, in Joel chapter 2, uh, particularly verses 12 and 13, which say, Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Can you guess which word in there is the word shuv? Repent doesn't show up, but a very similar word. You can respond. Return. Return. Very simple word to come back to. I mean, if you break down that word in the English language, the prefix re, which means to do again, and the, the uh, word, root word, turn, not as simple as that, to turn again. Uh, and this word here, shuv, is the word that we have for both repent and return. And it has a very similar uh, understanding as the word that we receive in 2 Corinthians at the beginning, where uh, we have, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, reconciliation is a different concept, but it has the same underlying understanding that we are to come back to God. That's who we are. While we have this tendency to go about in our own direction, to wander off over here and wander off over here, and oh, that hymn number 400, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We do have that tendency to wander, and yet all throughout Scripture, God, and through the prophets, and through Christ, we have this message, return. Repent. Turn back. Stop going that direction. Uh, whenever my wife and I were still dating, we went to a very strange random concert. And uh, that's a very long story in and of itself. But before the concert even started up, we went on a little hike. It was an outdoor venue. We went on a little hike. And as we were hiking, we started to see these red flags pop up. And red flags should be a red flag, right? <laughs> that should say, hold on now. And then there came a sign that said, turn back. <laughs> and that's pretty odd to have on uh, in, in this place. I don't know why they had this sign up there. Um, but you could probably guess, Kristen and I, we ignored the, the red flags and that sign. And it wasn't long before we found ourselves absolutely lost absolutely lost and could not figure out for the life of us how to get back to the place we started. Turn back, that sign said. That was our warning. Repent, return, if you will. Don't get lost. We eventually were picked up by a person on a tractor. 
I don't know how that came to be. Uh, but we were very grateful for that person being on their tractor that day. <laughs> they helped us out. Ask me about that story another time. It's a very long story and full of uh, poor decisions. <laughs> Turn and go back from whence you came. That's what these, this word shuv in the Hebrew means. And we ask for just a moment. Where did we come from? Where did we come from? Well, here in just a moment, as we receive uh, the ashes, you will hear me say, from dust you came and to dust you shall return. Repent and believe the gospel. There's that word repent. We came from dust, yes. But this isn't, this word shuv isn't calling us to return to dust. More importantly than dust, we came from God. It was the very spirit, life, breath of God that allowed us to be more than dust. And so this word shuv, repent, is calling us to return to God. And so that's my challenge for each and every one of us this evening and as we go into this Lenten season. Return to the Lord. Lent is a time of seeking God rather than our earthly pleasures. This is why we are encouraged to give up something during the season of Lent, something that would normally take up our time that we could be spending with God, things that might be a distraction from our faith and our experiences and journey with God. We're called to give that up as a fast and instead use that time and energy and effort to turn toward God. So, Let's do that this Lenten season. I mean, I think it makes sense for us to do that this Lenten season, to do what Lent is all about, to return to the Lord. But in addition to whatever you might have chosen to give up for Lent, I'm going to ask you to take something on as well. And that something is a term we're going to be talking about throughout the season of Lent, or an expression Means of grace. This is the Wesleyan expression that uh, we might hear more frequently as spiritual disciplines. These are avenues that uh, John Wesley identified as being ways in which we encounter the grace of God. And they are individual works of piety, communal works of piety, individual works of mercy, and communal works of mercy. And we'll be talking about these throughout the Lenten season uh, during our worship uh, on Sundays and also during our Lenten lunches on Wednesdays. So I hope that you will come and learn more about these means of grace because they are, and you've been hearing me use this word way too much over the past month, intentional means of encountering God. So this Lenten season, let us return to the Lord through intentional means of grace. Return to the Lord to actually go a different direction than the direction we've been going because, my goodness, aren't we prone to wander? My goodness, aren't we prone to go our own way and ignore the red flags and signs? And as we prepare to receive ashes this evening, may it be something that reminds us that from dust we came and to dust we shall return to repent and believe the gospel, to return to the Lord. Let us pray.